Welcome to Tag Talks Happy Hour with Ajit Kara. One part small talk, all parts real talk. This is the part of the day when Ajit gets to know the people behind the job titles at Tag. Hello, my name is Ajit Kara. I'm the CEO of Tag Americas and welcome to my podcast. I decided to do this podcast because I think many of you heard me say that I believe the biggest asset of Tag is its amazing people. And I want to do a series of conversations to find out what makes them tick, what makes them special, and just have some fun with them. So today I'm delighted that I have a uh, wonderful person called Audrey Ruger. I probably said that wrong, uh, and we'll come on to talk to her in a second. Um, but as always, this podcast series is produced by Kaylee Stansfield. Kaylee, how are you? I'm very well, Ajit. How are you today? Not, not too bad at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what's new with you? You know, I'm counting down the days to Thanksgiving. Ooh. It's getting close, and I it's... It is honestly my favourite holiday, which is really strange coming from uh, another country, but um, I very quickly latched on to Thanksgiving when I moved to the States. What about you? I love it because the sort of six weeks from Thanksgiving to Christmas is, right. a, is, a, is, a, is a sprint. <laughs> but I, I'm confused with the dietary thing. So coming from the UK, Christmas was a very big turkey day. And, you know, we obviously have turkey at Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and then my wife says she doesn't want to do turkey again at Christmas. Right. But I, I understand in this country, turkey's not as big on the menu for Christmas, as it is in the UK. That's my observation too. But, but you know, I'm not a big turkey fan, so I cook a chicken. Audrey, uh, welcome to my podcast. Cheers. Thank you, Ajit. Cheers. Uh, have a sample of the wine. Mm. Is that okay? Delicious. There you go. It's very nice. So thank you for joining the podcast. And so I know I don't normally talk about work, but... You're quite a special case. There's a couple of people like you, but you, you've actually been here since time began, didn't you? For you, like you, you know, since the day I was born. Since the day you were born, you're wearing the original yellow colors of Tag. As I well. know, all the way back in what would have been uh, 2016, but I you, think. But the, the point is that you literally from an internship, and there's yes. a few of you that have sort of stayed on. So you loved us so much that you never left. I love Tag so much that I never <laughs> left. Yeah, I came originally as an intern between my junior and senior year of college. I was going to Penn State University at the time, came to New York City, did my internship with TAG, actually was reporting to Sarah Jacobs, who still is my manager today. Oh, wow. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, had such a blast with her and the team. Everybody was so welcoming. I felt like I was learning so much. And then when Sarah reached out and said, hey, we have a full-time position available for you when you graduate, if you'd like to take it, I was like, absolutely. Yeah. I can't wait to move to New York. I can't wait to be at TAG every day. And it's, I can't believe the time that's gone by since. I feel wow. like I've learned so Did much. Did you, um, were you a year apart? My daughter interned as well. Yes. Did actually, you? I remember hearing about her. I was, I believe, the summer after oh, right, your daughter okay. would have right. been because right. I remember people saying, oh, Ajit's daughter was here last summer. That, and now that, you. That, that was genuinely Now this hell. random that girl. <laughs> ge- ge- genuinely hell. She, she, uh, We'll go home and report to mother, you know, uh, you know, the state of the keyboards or, you know, um, why we should continue to give free food for people. And, oh, my and God. So she, she, it was a bit of a nightmare, if I'm honest. That's funny. Dad's not running a exactly. ship over there. Exactly. There was, there was a lot of criticism coming my way. That's but, funny. but talking about family, where did you uh, grow up and where were your family based? I grew up outside of Philadelphia. I grew up in uh, the suburbs there, originally Narberth, and now uh, my parents live in Berwyn. 
But interestingly, I grew up most of my childhood from the time I was about six in the same house that my mother grew oh, up in wow. as well. Oh, yeah, wow. which is so special to us. Yeah. Um, both my mom's parents passed by the time I was six years old and left her the house. And we made some renovations to it to accommodate myself and my younger brother and sister and then moved into it. And they still live there. It's such a special place to us. It's not that, you know, the house is, I mean, it's a beautiful home, but it's not Memories. anything that magnificent, right? It's just, it feels like home. And when we're there, it's such a family energy. And I've discussed it with my parents a few times that I won't let them sell it to anybody <laughs> but me because... That's where you're going to be. Exactly. It needs to continue, you know, to be our, our family home. It's such a special place. But we there, love it. I can I can understand that. There, there is something around, you know, when we travel or go on holidays and that short trips, there's always that you know, that saying that you know, your castle is your home and there's something very special about home. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And, you know, the memories that your mother must have must be fantastic. Yeah, 100%. And also my dad too, because when my parents started dating each other, they were just out of college. Wow. And my dad has so many memories as well of coming to stay at that house mm -hmm. and be with my mom's parents who, you know, were so special to both my mom and my dad and they missed them. So having their house and being able to remember, oh, you know, we did this in this room and we used to, you know, we've changed all the rooms around now, so they're not what they used to be. But my dad's office was my mom's brother's bedroom and like, all, you know, all of these funny little things that, that we can remember through still living there. And you always light up when you talk about your family. You're, you're, oh, pretty, you. you're pretty obsessed about your family, yeah. aren't you? <laughs> I would say so. Yeah, we're very close. I'm so lucky. We're very close. My parents are, it's pretty remarkable, I think, to feel genuinely like you're the child of two of the best people you've That's ever amazing. met. And I really feel that way, and I feel so lucky for it. But both my parents are totally my role models and you know, have such a fantastically successful life in the ways that I define success. And you just do. look up to them so much. It's amazing. You do realize that they'll listen to this. <laughs> I know that they will. Hi, Mom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You'll be able to seek a better Christmas present now. Yeah, we'll see about that. We'll see about that. And then, um, but I suppose where you're, where do you live now in Manhattan? I live, yes, on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, which is, other than my family home, my all-time favorite place to live. I well, love it up there. It's not too far to get back home. Not at it? all. Not at all. No, the train makes it so easy. It's only like an hour and a half. It's not bad at all. But do you, do you go? Home? My my daughter tends to come home every weekend. From oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. Well, are you guys making good food? Oh, well, uh, I think that could be it. Yeah, I, I was going to say, that's probably the reason. <laughs> My parents are um, actually all summer have been at their lake house. So if I go home during the weekend, there's no one to see but maybe the dog, who I do love. But, <laughs> but you've got your own pet, haven't you? I do, yes. I have a little kitten. Her name is Cammy. She is so sweet, but she's like totally the queen of my house. I, it's just the two of us in my little one-bedroom apartment, and I always say that it's her apartment and I just live there because she really runs the show. She decides what time we wake up. She decides if we're going to stay asleep because maybe not. She'll start meowing and, you know, it's time to get up. So. You're, you're not one of these cat people that take your uh, cat out to Central Park with oh, a leash. no, I'm not. I'm really not. I mean, I think it might be fun but for me, but she would hate it and then, you know, yeah, I just feel bad. Yeah, it would be quite bad. scary for her as well. Yeah. <laughs> I know. She doesn't belong out there. And then when, when you were growing up, I know that you've obviously been with us since school. Yes. But what, what aspirations did you have? What did you want to be? I always wanted to be a teacher. I like, can see that. Like, always, yeah. yes. I, well, I loved 
speaking to people. I love, <laughs> but how do I say this without sounding like um, I'm obsessed with attention? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I loved, um, I think the you know, knows. <laughs> I loved making presentations. I loved, you know, standing up in front of the class and, and sharing something. And I loved school also, just learning and, and having um, some special relationships with a lot of my teachers. I just really enjoyed that. And then when I got to college and were, realized- were you, were you a teacher's pet? I really actually I wasn't. I by the time I was in high school, um, I was really ready to get out of there. I think, which is part of the reason why I ended up then studying abroad for my my junior year of high school. But um, I was anxious to get out of high school. But I was a little bit of a teacher's pet maybe in college because I realized if you like the life of a, a high school teacher can be very challenging for a lot of reasons. But the life of a professor can be pretty interesting. You get to spend all of your time researching, you know, topics that you are really passionate about and and sharing that with students who are in general much more engaged than I yeah. was as a high school <laughs> senior, you know, sort of just over it. Um, I, look, I think yeah. it's um, a defining period of your life mm-hmm. in that, um, you know, high school's high school and school's school. And right. It's much more about your friends and, you know, the, the, the social aspect of it all and having some basic learning. But when you go to the next level up, that's when it starts to define you. Right. Absolutely. You know, know, you're away from being home every day. You've got to start, Mm -hmm. you know, so it actually starts to define where that person goes. Is that where your love of teaching comes? Because when you get the right teacher, professor, whatever it is, it inspires you, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think also there were so many opportunities for me in college to explore different topics much deeper, I think. You get to go, you know, to so many more specific niche versions of what you generally thought to be your interest. So, yeah, it definitely was a wonderful time to learn. How how did that jump? Was it, sorry, you just mentioned that you went to France, which is amazing. Yes, I did. So was that part of a school piece, is it high school or college? What made you decide to do that? It was in high school. I, um... I, what made me decide to do it besides just sort of wanting to spread my wings? I don't think anything really. I just was so, I I felt like, okay, I've lived here in Berwyn, Pennsylvania for all of, you know, all of 16 or 17 years. I'm, I'm ready to be done. So I decided that I really wanted to take the opportunity to do a study abroad program. There were a handful of students in my high school who had come from other countries through this same program. It's called AFS. And I just wanted to do that. And I had studied French a little bit in the classroom in Pennsylvania, which proved to not be adequate preparation for <laughs> speaking in the actual country. But are you, are you still good at French? Do you? No, I'm terrible at French, actually. It's funny that you ask. And again, with my parents listening, I know that they're going to be like, damn it, Audrey, why don't you practice your French? Um, I would love to. I think I'm a pretty good listener, but coming up with the words... For my vocabulary is difficult. I'm surprised Linny hasn't grabbed you for, you know, our, our trans- Linny knows that there's a lot better French speakers out there than me. <laughs> but, but interestingly, you know, that, was, that must have been... And interestingly, I've noticed that a number of folks that I've spoken to, um, many of the women, have done what you've done. They've jumped continents, mm-hmm. languages. They've just... I mean, the confidence and the strength to do that is pretty impressive actually I think us men are weak we choose to stay at home but that must have been a big thing like I assume that exchange program dumps you in the deep end so everyone's speaking French you got a French you know friends and school and yeah they don't make exceptions for you do they no they don't actually I had a pretty rude awakening when I first arrived I was so excited 
I got to Paris originally and did a little bit of an orientation with all the other students who had come not only from the States, but from all countries around the world uh, to study in France that year. And I had such a lovely time and everyone was so excited and so welcoming because we were all, yeah, yeah, Paris is stunning. It was amazing. And then the end of my orientation came and it was time for me to go to my home placement and start going to my French high school. So I take the train down to the southwest of France. And I was originally in a very small town called Le Ben and then ended up in Po, which uh, all in the southwest of France. And I got to my school and I realized that for 99% of the students and teachers at that school, I was the first and only American they had ever wow. met. So they wow. were really, yes. Yeah. So I got a lot tad, of... Tad hostile. Mm, how do I be nice? It was a, <laughs> Listen, it was high school also. You know what I mean? I mean, it was a little bit jarring, I think, for them, for me to bring like a big American personality into the mix. And then also, you know, we're 17-year-old girls, so it's not always that easy. But I remember it was my very first time out at the bus stop and all the girls, all the cool girls were like smoking their little cigarettes. And I'm, I come from, you know, a town where people aren't really like smoke, doing yeah. that. Yeah, no. And uh, they asked me if I wanted a cigarette and I said, oh, no, thank you. And I thought maybe, you know, then we could just talk about something else, but then immediately all turned their backs to me and no. were like, oh, the American girl is too good to smoke our cigarette really? with us. Yeah. So it was definitely like, oh, shoot, I really should have been more culturally prepared for this moment. It ended up being fine. Everybody, you know, we warmed up to each other and it was really awesome, but... I'm sure your parents listening thinking, thank God. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so, I guess so. But what, what, what was your takeaway then? Have you, are you connected still with some of those friends? I or? am actually, yeah, yeah. I ended up living with, um, I had a short-term placement for the first like month I was there and then went into my long-term placement in Poe and I lived with an amazing family who were already pretty culturally blended themselves. Um, they, uh, it was a mother and father and two daughters, and they had come to France from Cote d'Ivoire, which is the Ivory Coast in Africa. And their father was Italian. Their mother was originally from Madagascar. Wow. And then uh, the girls had been born in uh, Cote d'Ivoire. So they were really interesting family and so warm and open to me, what I understand to be classic African hospitality. Yeah. So very warm, very food. sweet about every, a lot of food, a lot of like pomp and circumstance about the smallest things, you know, Wonderful. really welcoming to me. Yeah. So it was amazing. So I'm still connected to them. And then I have a couple of friends from school as well that I still keep in touch with. And do you think one of the takeaways, apart from not smoking, uh, <laughs> uh, um, was, you know, it gives you confidence around a lot of people when they, you know, live in different parts of America, they stay in that sort of area. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, and it wasn't a huge distance, but from a from a sort of almost environment and people, yeah. big jump from Philadelphia to Manhattan. Right, certainly. And, and so did that help you in that transition to just simply uproot and come and stay yeah. in Manhattan? Most definitely, most definitely. I think that, Maybe it sounds a little bit like you would read it in a fortune cookie, but I think that you have to have experiences, especially when you're young, that show you that you can do hard things. Yeah. And just because something is really hard, it, you don't have to, you know, change your mind and make it easy. It can still be hard, but you can you can do it. Yeah. Um, and so I think that you know, going away from my family and from everything that I knew, and and throwing myself into a really challenging environment where I was alone and I, you know, wasn't perfect at the language for a long time. I had to, a lot of learning to do. It showed me, you know, I can swim in those rough that's waters. Great. I have to say that that's important for young people because you are much more of a sponge and adapt to that mm-hmm. age, aren't you? I mean, I think when you get older, it's harder. 
Yeah, absolutely. But when you're younger, you're incredibly flexible and in tune and can learn very quickly. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's about getting experiences. Definitely. And then, so you're in Manhattan, and obviously you work very hard, which I know, but then what do you do in your spare time? Oh, my. Well, let's see. My favorite things to do, I think, are probably to paint. And I take uh, some painting and drawing classes every once in a while at the National Arts Club in Gramercy. I don't know if you're familiar at all. But uh, that's a historically protected building. And then within that, several organizations will host different either art appreciation or um, actual artist courses that I attend that I love. I love to volunteer. Well, hang on, back to the painting. Sure. I, uh, uh, where is my painting? You should have bought something. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'll do a portrait of you. Uh, well, maybe, not, <laughs> m- maybe not of me. <laughs> I know. I don't know if you want uh, want to see a portrait of you. I've, I've tried very hard to a, get... It have to be a lot of lens. Yeah. Be a lot, lot of... <laughs> I've tried very hard to get better at my figure drawing and my, you know, like facial expressions in um, a more realistic way. But my favorite artist is uh, Matisse. Oh, yeah. So I like, you know, sort of a a crazier color palette that's a little bit less realistic, very flattened forms. um, So it doesn't end up really looking like anyone. It's it's, it's what they call modern art. Yes. You you can get away with anything if I call it modern art. You like to do people then, do you? Uh, Yeah, totally. I like to do... Just like scenes that I see, I'll take maybe a little cell phone photo of, you know, something that I see that I like, and then I'll take it home and sketch it out on a canvas and decide sort of how I would arrange it. Oh, you, should, in my own you, style. you should bring something in. You should you should run a uh, paint class here. Like, it, oh my I, god, I, I'd I, love um, it. Yes, I should do that. That would be amazing. <laughs> it says my wife and daughter went to. Neither one of them are artists but they thoroughly enjoyed it and I put the pictures up because they're amazing but they went to a wine and painting thing Ooh, that's so, fun yeah having a glass of wine and then they're taught how to do like a, a scene right and they brought it back I'm thinking this is actually pretty impressive that's you know? amazing uh, yeah those classes are so much fun yeah. and really the thing is especially with acrylic paint anybody can do it you know it's not <laughs> it's really not that hard I, I think I think I could buck that trend yeah I, I, I really do I think oh I, could, God, I, I could I could I could make um I, the thing I, I I can't draw or paint. I have no. I think I've said before. I've I've talked about no musical talent, no yes. dancing talent. I have no artistry talent. In fact, I don't think I have any talent at all. Oh so, my god! I, I, please, I, 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 <laughs> uh, please. So and then so after the painting, then what else do you like to do? Um, well, it was just um, volunteering is on my mind. I was just at the Bowery Mission last night doing a dinner shift, oh, which fantastic. is so much fun, yeah. and I really. Um, recommend it to people it's like a really rewarding experience i I feel slightly guilty when i do charity things because i do it for the right reasons Mm -hmm. but then i don't think it for that reason so he says well no because (laughs) because i feel great about myself yeah well i think that that's a very valid reason to do it you know altruism is a is a positive force in your life so i should be doing it to just help the other people but i I think i'm doing it to help myself so i thought it's the wrong reasons for the right you're doing the right thing for the wrong reasons I think it's still a good reason. Yeah. We all need to be reminded that we're more connected than we think we are. Yeah, yeah. Helping so. other people is critical. Really yeah, is. absolutely. But but you like to march around, don't you? Like <laughs> marching around. Yeah, by this, you mean hiking? Yes. Yes. You're, 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 tell me about your hiking. So let me guess. You're not really into hiking if you're <laughs> referring to it as marching around. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, shoulders up. Yeah. I don't mind it. Actually, I, I like walking quite a lot, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, your hiking is a bit more extreme, isn't it? Like you've gone a little to... bit. I would love to continue to uh, get more extreme, and but I've had an amazing opportunity to go to a lot of 
really beautiful national parks here in the U.S. And I was just talking to Puneet actually earlier about uh, expanding into Mount Fuji in Japan. That's my real dream wow. is to go to Mount Fuji. But in any case, I was just in the Grand Canyon at the end of May, which was amazing. I did that a five-day trek with my family. In, um, in the actual canyon? In the Yep, through the canyons. We started at the south rim, and then we were staying at the edge of the north rim and, and taking hikes off of there. It was really amazing, really beautiful, absolutely freezing at night. Uh, so if you're ever, <laughs> it was my first desert camping experience. And because it was so hot during the day, I could not believe. It dropped like 70 degrees overnight, yeah, Fahrenheit, and yeah. I'm not even kidding you. It was it was pretty unbelievable. But the views and the experience were amazing the and hike, worth the cold. But, but it's the, the hiking there is tough. Like it's yeah, not easy absolutely. It is tough. I learned that the hard way, actually, um, when I was only like five miles in to what ended up being almost like 40 miles on our itinerary. I fell and sprained my oh. ankle so hard. And it was so... On. Painful. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it was just so, it was so typical me. Like, we get started and we're told, okay, the rocks are really loose and it's very steep. So with your hiking poles, you're essentially told to treat it like skiing. When you put your foot down, just trust that it's probably not going to stay where you put it and go with the flow and just sort of keep moving with the falling rock, basically. And I started doing that for a couple of miles, and I was like, oh, I got this down. I can do this, no problem. And so we're going, and I turn around just my head to talk to my sister while my body's still going down the mountain, or excuse me, the canyon. And uh, yeah, it was a slip and fall that I'll never forget. (laughs) Well, it is a beautiful place, and I, I looked at the trails from above. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, looked and thought, eh, that's not for me. Yeah, yeah. you know, I understand. I understand. But it's, it's, it's spectacular, that. It's, it's absolutely stunning. It's so humbling. It's unbelievable. Like, just reminding yourself what incredible biodiversity and geological diversity exists just within this country. I mean, there's so many incredible things to see all over the world. But so many of our national parks are just absolutely, absolutely unbelievable. Absolutely true. We should all get out to them. hundred percent. And, and, yeah. and, and there's a lot of wildlife there when you go. It was quite dangerous when you're hiking in the Grand <laughs> Canyon. I think, honestly, Yosemite might have been a little bit more dangerous. We saw more bears out in Yosemite than, uh, I mean, I think if I died in the canyon, it would just be birds that eat yeah. you. I don't think that there's really too much of an animal threat. No, there are things that people have, people don't find the bodies. It's that, it's that big, you know. Yeah, so it's it's not uh, a light sport. No, certainly not. So tell me a bit more about what's the sort of scariest or interesting things that you've eaten or done. Oh, wow. Scariest? Well, I know the scariest thing that I've eaten because it was really not that long ago. And I actually, um, shout out to Japan because that is truly my, I'm a little bit of a weebo. I love Japan and I would love to be there. Um, But I went to a Japanese restaurant a couple of months ago and had a really amazing omakase-style uh, sushi dinner where the chef makes each piece of sushi individually and serves it to you so you eat one wow. at a time, and it's all chef's choice. So that was an incredible experience for me as someone who you know, yeah. loves to try different uh, Japanese foods and sort of be exposed to whatever it is that the chef uh, was preparing for me. But then we get towards the end of the meal. I'd already had like 12 pieces of sushi. I'm like, I'm so full. So chef, like, please stop. And he puts one last piece in front of me, and I don't know the Japanese word, but he uses it. It means sea urchin, spoiler alert. I put it in my mouth, and I just about died. I wanted to be so respectful and so polite of the amazing experience I was having, but 
I wanted to spit that into my napkin. It was absolutely gross, (laughs) which I feel awful saying because I, you know, I understand it to be a delicacy, but it just tasted like the worst mouthful of ocean that you could ever get, you know? I know what you mean. I haven't tasted it and I won't. When I go sushi, I love sushi. Yeah. But keep keep me to the tuna, salmon. Absolutely. Crunchy tuna roll. Yeah, keep me on that. I don't want the eels and the other, it's not for me. Just keep me. There's actually... Ajit, there's a documentary called Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Have you seen it before? It's excellent. It's really great. It's about a sushi chef in Tokyo who um, had a Michelin star at one point. There's along the way he loses it. But one of the scenes in that documentary, they go to the fish market where the biggest sushi chefs in Japan are buying and sourcing their fish from. And the tuna in that market is unbelievable. It's so cool. It's so cool to see sort of where that all, the process comes from for eating that fish. It really is about how fresh it is, isn't it? I mean, oh, uh, of um, course. Um, when, when I've had bad sushi, it's... it's in St. Louis? It was in a supermarket. I know you should never buy it. I shouldn't do it. You shouldn't buy it from a supermarket because you don't know how long it's been there. So Certainly. you've got to, you know, and, and that makes a huge difference. <laughs> huge difference. It definitely does. <laughs> On your taste buds and your tummy. Thank you so much for your time. I think this is the opportunity now to ask me any questions that you may have. Okay. Well, Ajit, I would love to know, as someone who has made it so far in their career and so much probably to look back on, what has been your method for learning? When you need to learn something new or you come across a challenge that you realize you can't solve on your own, how do you intake new information? How do you learn about what you feel you need to learn about in order to take the next step? Firstly, I've not made it. I'm still struggling. <laughs> I'm a struggling actor. As they you say. on trade? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm on. I'm still on the on, uh, the uh, the internship. <laughs> I, th- I think the way that I tend to tackle this, and and I think many people do this, and I think you do as well, is that you've got to remain to have what I call intellectual curiosity. Mm. You know, it doesn't. It's not a weakness to ask people what you don't know and um, always keep an open mind and so for me some of the best things that come from our customers you know when you when you talk to a a customer or you talk to someone that you don't normally talk to you get more insights Mm -hmm. so I think the trick for me is not to remain in a closed club you know the people that work for you the people that you've always worked with the thing is to move beyond that Mm -hmm. and you know this because I tend to talk to many people and that's I call that you know yeah, people that know I'm doing it, but it's 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 gathering facts, it's gathering what goes on, and customers are the same thing. I love going out and talking to customers, and you learn insights. And so, if I'm trying to take something I don't know about, I ask lots of questions. Excellent, I love that approach. Anyone can do it. Thank you so much. Like you know, it's a uh, your parents, no doubt, are just as proud of you <laughs> as they are as you are of them. Um, but you know, your energy, your enthusiasm, your long-standing commitment to the business is understood but you know you're highly exciting entrepreneurial you know and there's great things to come but thank you all thank time. you so much cheers. cheers join us soon for another episode of tech talks happy hour with ajit kara and learn more about the people behind the job titles at tag 